This morning I would like to take this opportunity to talk to you about Psalm 2, verses 1 through 12. And I don't know about you, but for me in many cases, I might have my mind set on doing X, Y, Z, but in the midst of whatever I am supposed to be doing, there seem to be all kinds of distraction coming from so many different ways that without Christ, I will be totally confused. There are many kinds of voices. First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 10 says, the apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians, it says, undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. The King James Version puts it this way. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. The world, in fact, is full of voices that seem to be coming at us from all sides. But when we look at Psalm 2 this morning, you will find that in verses 1 through 3, we find the voice of the nation. Verses 4 through 6, the voice of God the Father. 7 through 9, the voice of the Son, and 10 through 12, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to try to look at that a little closer this morning. But before I do so, permit me to share very briefly about some personal experience in my own life. Some 18 years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate, prostate cancer, and on a scale of one to 10, I was an eight. We got the result while in an airport on our way back to Nassau. The first thing that came to mind was, and I said it to Helen, when we get home, I want to bring our children together and share with them what's going on because I wanted them to hear it from me rather than someone else. The next thing we asked was for the church to pray with us for wisdom as to the kind of treatment. It was at this time that there seemed to be all kinds of voices coming at me. It seemed as if everybody had the cure for prostate cancer. At least they found me to give me the cure. And I wondered if they have the answer why are there so many people dying from prostate cancer. 
But I had to ignore those voices. People even boiled some concoction, brought it to my house and said, drink it, you're straight. I didn't drink it, I'll be honest with you. Um, I started my treatment in Orlando, Florida. It was a five-day-a-week, Monday through Friday, for six weeks. Again, as I sat in the waiting room among those who were going through the same kind of treatment, I heard all sorts of complaints. People were saying to me, you know, this is not going to be easy. All sorts of things are going to happen. You're going to lose weight. You're going to, you, you're going to lose your hair. You, everything is going to go wrong. The problem is I had to sit there because I had to wait my turn for treatment. I had nowhere to go. But I want you to know that our God has been faithful and we, I did not lose weight. They said I would lose weight. I did not lose weight. I had no kind of after effect from any of the treatment I had. Two weeks, however, after the treatment, I went back for surgery. I was told I would have to spend a minimum of three days in the hospital after the surgery. Early that morning, around 6 a.m., I remember us going and presenting myself for surgery. And as I sat there and they prepared me for anesthesia to come and give me the anesthesia, a voice came to me and said, hi, I know, I got you now. You're going to go to sleep and you're not going to wake up. Now, prior to that, I prayed and I asked God, I said, Lord, if it's your will, would you let me see my children through high school? I said, I would really appreciate that. But I had my face turned to the wall and it re reminded me of Hezekiah. And I looked at his life and he had an impeccable life before he was healed. But when he was healed, everything went downhill. I said, Lord, if that's what it's going to be, then forget my request. The next thought or voice that came to my mind was, who took care of you in your mother's womb? Well, if you know anything about where I'm from, I came from San Salvador in 1941. They didn't even have a nurse on the island. And that, that spoke volumes to me. That's the last thing I remember, and I was out. I woke up about four hours later. Helen was sitting there, and she said to me, get up, put on your clothes. The doctors want you to come to the office. I said in my head, ah, oh, well, here comes the bad news. Uh, they went in, there was nothing they could do, so I guess he's going to send me home, because if, 
if I'm going to be in the hospital, why come to the office? I, they should just take me to my room. I said, well, I guess they, they're saying there's nothing they could do, so go home and wait for your change to come. And as we walked to the office, I could hear them laughing. And the thoughts start coming at me from all sides. These people don't care. They say, oh, care about who? You're only a number. And I got inside. They said, Frederick, sit down. I sat down. And they said to me, you were the best patient we have ever had. We have never done surgery on anyone like you. You have no need to be hospitalized. You can go to your hotel room and we'll see you in a couple of days. I'll pick up from this a little later on. But I said that to say this. God is in control no matter what's coming at you. And he is able to do abundantly above all that we can ask or think. The voice of the nation, verses 1 through 3a. Why do the nation conspire, or the nations conspire, and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth raise, rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. May I say to you, from the moment Adam submit to the voice of the father of lies, instead of following the father of truth in the Garden of Eden, sin the sin of disobedience, a curse came upon God's creation. These words have been written plainly over the human race. Rebellions, apostasy, and lawlessness. If we have heirs to hear we will recognize these words speaking out in defiant against God from every part of the earth. We don't need to leave these islands of ours. All you have to do is turn on the radio or pick up a newspaper and you can see what's going on around us. You are not even safe in your own homes. Everyone seems to be doing what is right in their own eyes. There is no fear of God, no, no fear of the police, or anyone else for that matter. The words for today is rebellion, apostasy, and lawlessness. One, why this human rebellion? Permit me to read 
verse 1 and 2 again. Why do the nation conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. I believe that Romans chapter 8 verse 7 is very clear as to the why. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The desire and pursuit of carnal ends in a state of enmity to God. Wholly incomparable with true life and peace within the soul. For it is not subject, does not submit itself to the laws of God, neither indeed can be. In such a state of mind, there is neither can it be the least subjection to the law of God. We cannot do that of our own, in our own stead. James chapter 4, verse 4, takes it to another level. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that the friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The question is, whose side? Are you on? Secondly, there is human apostasy. The people plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise, raise up, or rise up, and the rulers band together. It is, it is very sobering to see how a spirit of rebellion inevitably and progressively lead us away from our God until the person or the nation, for that matter, becomes apostate. This, my friends, happens in every country that ignores or rejects God. I say to you that the Bahamas is no different. Our nation is going headlong in this direction. But thirdly, we note there is the human lawlessness. Let us break their chain and throw off their shackles. In other words, I have no intentions of obeying God's law or the law of the land. This whispered uh, propose breaks out in a loud, menacing voice of defiance, of lawlessness. The psalmist used the words chains and shackles 
that is used to prevent or restrict those who wants to do nothing but wrong, killing, destroying. But I want you to know you don't have to go from the Bahamas. You can see it. Home invasion. Anything that you can think of this morning is happening in our islands. B, the voice of the Father, verses 4 through 6. The one enthroned in heaven laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. In spite of the terrifying and fearful voice of the nation, the man of God, whose air is attuned to heaven, hears an even more significant voice, thundering through the noise and the confusion around us. It is God speaking. From this psalm, we note three things about the sound of his voice. One, the laughter of derision. Verse four, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. May I say to you, if we set aside for a moment the tragedy of it, there is a real comedy here. How ridiculous it is for the creatures of the earth who, who's, who owes everything to the creator to try to assert his independence from God and to seek to overthrow his dominion. But, but God, in his love, mercies and grace, continues to clothe us, feed us, all nations, a matter of fact, on earth, in hope that his infinite goodness will lead them to repentance. But, there is a second but. One day, his laughter will turn to a look of stern judgment. And then pity that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, who rejected Jesus Christ. Secondly, he rebukes them in anger. Voice five. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in wrath. My friends, when God speaks again, it will be in anger 
and wrath. For the Bible says, and I quote from Acts chapter 17, verse 31, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. And again we note in, note in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31, and we need to take note of this. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What word do I have for us this morning who knows him as personal savior? 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men or others. That should be the desire of each of our hearts today to persuade others to come to a saving knowledge of his grace. God's final reply to, re, to a rebellious nation, verse 6 says, and I quote, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mount. Here is God's final reply to a rebellious nation. Vainly the people plot to overthrow God's plan for his son. Upon the throne of universal empire as king of kings and lord of lords. But nothing is more certain. The words of our Lord, our God, who says, the throne of David will be the throne of God's son. Maybe it doesn't look that way at this time, but you can take it to the bank. And I, that's, that's, that's a very poor place because you're not even sure you're going to find what you put in the bank if you go there. But may I say to you, you can, you can, you can depend on this. Luke chapter 1 verse 32 says, he will be great, talking about his son, and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. God's final word has spoken in his son, Jesus Christ. Now the tone is one of grace. But one day, it will be the voice of wrath. See, the voice of God the Son. Verses 7 through 9. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, 
I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possession. You will break them with the rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. In concert, it seemed, the father and the son speaks with sovereign authority concerning three tremendous facts all men should hear. And the first is, one, the declaration of his purpose. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. These words decree is the covenant which God has made with his son in relation to redemption for all men who will come to him. How wonderful to realize that even though God knows that men would rebel, he agrees with his son to redeem all who will repent and believe the gospel. This is indeed the central message of the Holy Scriptures. And my friends, today, there is not a single one of you under the sound of my voice that is without excuse. You have, we have no excuse. We are without excuse. Secondly, we note the revelation of his, per of his person. Verse 7, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Although the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the eternal son, it is interesting to observe that it is only through the resurrection that this fact is finally demonstrated. Paul puts it very clearly when he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and I read, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was the descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Thirdly, we note the demonstration of his power. Verse 8, ask of me, he says, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the end of the earth your possession. The Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to claim the heathens for his possession and then to reign forever. 
Isaiah chapter, chapter 9, he prophesied this many years ago. Verse 6 and 7 says, and I quote, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and, the, and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. It's nothing that we need to do or could do. It's the zeal of the Lord that will accomplish this. The authority of the Son of God will also be experienced and is being experienced in grace to those who are open to his kingship and his dominion. But it will also be expressed in wrath to those who finally rejects him. Verse 9 of Psalm 2. You will break them with the rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. D, the voice of the Spirit. Verses 10 and 12, or 10 through 12. Therefore, you king, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss the son or he will be angry and you and your ways will be destroyed. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who takes refuge in him. In these verses, we have a different tune altogether. It is more like the voice of tender love, an invitation. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this age to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. John 16, 7 through 13. One, his word of exaltation. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. 
it's good to know this exaltation is addressing the kings of the earth and the rulers of the earth who are refusing to hear him. This is what we were talking about at the opening verse of this psalm. These are the same people that God is trying to woo to himself. In the word, this is the gospel which is able to make men and women wise unto salvation, says 2 Timothy 3.15. Moreover, the day of salvation is now. Tomorrow may be too late. It is for the nations and for the individuals to cease from rebellion and to worship the Lord with fain and with rejoicing and trembling. Secondly, we note the word or the word of invitation. Kiss his son. Verse 12. There is Perhaps not a sweeter invitation in all the Bible. And to remember, it is addressed to those who have been actively rebelling against Jehovah and against his Christ. My friends, to kiss the son is to kiss the father also. So, the scripture reminds us, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto God. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Thirdly, we note his word of admonition. Kiss the son, or he will be angry, and you and your ways will will be destroyed for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who takes refuge in him. Already we have noted that the love of God in Christ is equally expressed in holy grace as well as holy wrath. If a person insists on holding on to sin, he and his sin will eventually be judged by the judge of all the earth. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. You see, outside of him, Jesus, there is danger, death, doom. But inside, there is safety, security, and enjoyment. 
let me return back to my personal experience for a moment in closing. I found out a little later, well, I knew that Helen was going to be having some scanning done during the time that I was in hospital. And it was arranged so that once I get in the hospital, she would go and get these scanning done. And she was very concerned about not being there with me after I would have come out of the surgery, just to sit there while I was really recuperating. Because God is in his love and mercy raised me up and I was able to go and sit and wait for her while she had her scanning done. If that's not the grace of God, you tell me what is the grace of God. I say this morning, to God be all the glory. His voice keeps us calm in all the storms of this old world. The hymn writer says it so well. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. God is his own interpreter, and he will make, will make it plain. That is true, but we must be in tune in order for it to be plain. We must be in tune with the voice of God rather than all the other voices that are seemingly coming at you at the same time. So in conclusion, and I mean it this time, as you note, we first started in 1 Corinthians 14.10. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages, voices in the world. Yet none of them are without meaning. Let us see to it as Christian people that we detect the voice of the voice and rightly interpret them. One thing is certain the Trinity testimony speaks as one. There is no kind, nothing in the Trinity that contradicts the word of God. In the message of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all 
comes together as one. No contradiction whatsoever. Jesus said, everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me. John 18, 37. May I say to you, only as we listen to the voice and obey, it will be, or we will be able to reject the tempting voices of rebellion and apostate and lawlessness in the world or in a world that is fast headed towards destruction. Whose side are you on today? Are you listening to the father of lies or are you listening to the father of truth? I pray that the desire of everyone under the sound of my voice, including you who are here today, will be willing to join Joshua in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, and be able not just to say it, but to mean it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, and God bless.